welcome to episode 603 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio, team, welcome along to episode 603 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James Oz. How you go, mate? Glad to know you remember who I am. Well, you know, you're, just, you're ingrained in my heart, John. There we go. Public yeah. holiday, 6.30 in the morning. We're here cranking out an episode because we are committed to the cause. Well, we used to, um, we used to record early, didn't we? We did. And we've then you wanted to train. We recorded early, we recorded late. The original was after our Tuesday morning bike ride. That's right, we used to do the gorgeous, didn't we? Yeah. Jeez, I hate to think what would be like doing the gorgeous today. Yes. Uh, um, Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by Extreme Endurance. Your lactic buffer. We've got a new sponsor, John. Health IQ. Yes, tell me about it. It's an insurance company that helps health conscious people like us get lower rates on their life insurance. So you can go to healthiq.com slash imtalk. And great way for you to save some money and support the show is only for our American listeners, so. Yeah, but we'll talk about that later on and something. I'm actually, you know, insurance companies can have good and bad, but having insurance is really important in life, so <laughs> we'll be talking about that a little bit later on. Uh, and our patrons, John, name a few patrons. Carl Hooker Trout, Brody the Tree Edge, and Ethan the Pied Piper, Mateus. Nice. Matches. And this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a discussion of the week. And uh, John was saying people like to complain. They do. <laughs> Although we did throw the ball ready to hit oh, out of the park. Absolutely. But lots of comments. Like, big discussion of the week. We've got an age group of the week. We've got Statistic on one of the stars of the sport. We're going to interview an IRC. Well, we, we'll explain that when we get there. Okay. And then we've got some winger of the week, some questions and answers, and the patrons at the end. Jombo. Oh, also, we are releasing the latest Legends of a triathlon podcast today. Um, tell us about it, John. So we're interviewing Barb Linquist. And Who's she? Yeah, I know. A lot of people will go, who is she? But she was one of the dominators of the early 2000s. So not necessarily an athlete who was out there winning loads of world titles, but a very prolific podium yeah. get, get, and and also really helped change the face of females ITU racing at the time because she, her along with about three or four others were axe swimmers and very strong on the bike and they just basically drilled the field so they'd smash the swim uh, they'd smash the bike and they weren't the fastest runners so it's a bit different to the, the Brownlee era because they get on the bike and they kind of ride away and you go it's race over Yeah. but what these girls did could is they hold on that, yeah they'd have to build up a big enough gap and the run- runners behind would just have to keep that gap close enough so they could run them down so it was a very interesting time for women's racing and she was an axe she was a world number one for a, for a good year and a half to two years and uh, the top American for a long time so should be an interesting story as plus she has now got a role with USA Triathlon in terms of doing a lot of the talent ID and has been given a lot of credit for finding the likes of Gwen Jorgensen and things like that. Uh, Have you seen that happen since then when you've had like you know a a bunch of ex-swimmers and cyclists who maybe aren't the sharpest runners but could stay away from you know, the top runners. Uh, you see in fits and starts. These days you obviously see um, Flora Duffy uh, riding away, often by herself or with others, but she's on par with the top runners, uh, so she runs yeah, about okay. at the same time. So you see in little bits, fits and bursts, but, but that period was 
every race there'd be a breakaway and it's how big a lead do they get this time Wow, pretty cool. That's a really interesting race to watch, isn't it? Mm. You kind of see that a bit more at Kona, don't you? You see the cyclists get away and, and mm. the runners kind of chase them down. Okay, John, well, this week the news, uh, we had this Dubai 70.3 happen over the weekend and we had two pretty dominant performances. Very interesting performances. And I want to start with the females because lots of people are going, Alistair Brownlee uh, crushed it and he did, and we'll go on to that in a minute. Anne Haug, who I brought up a couple of weeks ago on the show, sort of saying, you know, she's a former very good ITU athlete and she had a very good race, I think it was at uh, Abu Dhabi or somewhere late at the end of last season and sort of said, oh, maybe watch out for her because she said she's going to do Ironman and, but she's done another 70.3 here at Dubai at the weekend and ran a 1.14.11. Incredibly fast running. Yeah. Now, immediately, a lot of people will go, the run was short. Uh, I had a guy racing there and he measured it at, I think it was 20.8, so maybe, okay. and that was, and I noticed on the course map it did have a few corners and stuff, so it's certainly within my margin of error, and yeah. if, it's, if it's maybe 100 to 300 metres short, you may be talking a minute for the, for the guys that are, and girls that are running at this speed, maybe a little bit more, but 1.14, she's going to run down anybody anywhere in the world with that sort of split it is bloody impressive uh and her bike time was good as well you know she pretty much only lost a minute and a half or so to holly lawrence so what's her history uh she was very we should have listened a couple of weeks ago yeah well you know me uh you're talking she for for a period she was you know year and a half to two years she was just crushing the itu with with very strong runs her swim was always a little bit suspect um and she was like it's hard to tell how good people are with their riding at the itu circuit but man that is a killer performance do we know which i mean she's going to do uh, no, I don't. Okay. No, yeah. but uh, so Sarah Lewis was second from Great Britain, very good performance, and Holly Lawrence, um, you wouldn't say detonated on the run, but she only ran a one twenty-five, and she's a better runner than that. Uh, so she faded. She was first off the bike, so I'm blown away. One fourteen. I, I do wonder if there's ever been a faster run split by a female. Now, one thing that may help their runs over there is a good chunk of the run is they have a boardwalk, I think, along in the front in Dubai. They run along the waterfront, and that probably helps quite a bit in terms of just your rebound, but also perhaps, um, yeah, mean your legs don't get yeah. tired quite so quickly. So amazing run. Well, Alistair Brownlee also had a very dominant performance in the male race, winning by seven minutes. Um, 22-36 swim, 158 bike, and then a 109 run. Just lost my internet connection on your your bloody internet, Bevan. Oh, I thought you were but about to go, he's just so amazing. And that <laughs> was the internet. Uh, he is. And I'd say the one comment I'd make about his race was uh, I, I flicked on, I saw it was on, and they had the uh, you know the live coverage, and they just had one camera out there, so it was pretty boring. Just you know, it was either yep. fixed on him or fixed on Holly Lawrence. Maybe they had two cameras. Uh, didn't watch any of the run, but he looked really good on the bike in mm -hmm. terms of his position. So if you've watched him before in ITU races, um, you know, he's an aggressive rider, but he's quite often quite hunched over the bike, and and you know you think I wonder what he'd look like on a TT bike. Um, but he looked sensational and he was just killing it. Uh, so very, very impressive. Not necessarily that surprising, but really shows that he must be over that injury and um, ready to really go out there and kill it this season. Fascinating. 
but I, I was three thirty-five thirty. I was thinking that's close to the fastest time that we've ever seen in a, a seventy point three. Um, Michael Raylert's time at Clearwater a few years ago when he won there was three thirty-four. So you got that's possibly the second fastest uh, half Ironman ever. Wow, that's that's pretty impressive. Although he's the kind of guy who's going to do it, isn't he? Mm. Uh, second place. Uh, second place, Sven Riederer, and third, Rudy Wild, fourth, Maurice Clavel, and Nick Castellan of fifth. So that was a quality field, and he just completely took them to the cleaners. Um, just no mention of the Triple Crown this year. Well, no, there is mention of the Triple Crown, but, but there's no mention by Ironman, and this is bizarre because the Bahrain team, uh, they sent out a press release, so we're talking about these two are now, you know, got one race under their belt for the Triple Crown, so yep. it sounds like it is happening again. But I did. I had a look through the Ironman site. Uh, firstly, there was no post-race press release, but also still no mention it's, of it. It does seem like a waste of a million dollars, doesn't it? It, it really does. <laughs> not that, not, we want the athletes to get the money. Don't get me wrong. We're really happy for these athletes to go and win a million bucks. But what's the purpose of it? Mm. <laughs> you know, like Maybe there's a lot more marketing uh, in the area uh, locally, uh, on the ground. Well, well listeners the over there, because we've got listeners in that part of the book, let us know. Is it? Or is this just some... Donation, like I imagine they pay Brownlee quite a lot to be at that race. I'm sure his appearance fee is pretty good because he's always raced here, hasn't he? Uh, he's done, a f- he's done, yeah, you know, well, he might have done like a swim or you know, like in the past, he's kind of always been racing some kind of race. Mm. You know, his introduction to long course was he, here. He used to do the yeah the Abu Dhabi triathlon. Yeah, mm. so we're interested what kind of appearance fee he's getting. Mm. But um, yeah, million dollars. Tell you what, you could do sponsor Iron Talk. We'll take a million bucks. We'll oh give it, word. give you a year's worth of advertising. Um, other results, John. We had a new kid that you want to watch out for. Yeah, so we had the Hell of the West, which is a, a long-standing, popular race in Australia. Max Newman, young fella, only twenty-two years old, by the sound of it, uh, just killed it out there. Uh, so they swim a 2k, bike 80k and run 20k and he won, did 331 uh, beating Jake Montgomery 332 and Josh Amberger 337. Uh, unsurprisingly Sarah Crowley took out the girls race by 8 minutes over Sky Munch and Fawn Whiting. So very popular race in Australia. Um, I mean Canada has changed your bike course. We've got, a, we've got an email through from James Thomas. What's his nickname? Red Rocket. The Red Rocket. We got, we got a nickname, Red Rocket. He sent us through an email saying, have you heard the rumour? I was like, oh, I hadn't heard the rumour. <laughs> and he was like, there might be changes to the bike course. And I said, I'll give you more character. He said, I don't want that much character. Yeah, so they, the, the bike course up in Whistler used to go all the way down to Pemberton and it sounds like they had some very vocal and aggressive uh, local residents who did not like the bike course uh, being on their road for one day of the year. So they've had to change the course and it's staying a lot closer to Whistler now and yeah, it's got 2,500 metres of climbing and I think it was three laps and... I've literally ridden through that area on one day in my life, uh, and I, we, we had a little aquathon down the swim. We went through there on Epic Camp uh, when we did Epic Camp Canada, and it'll be interesting to see how it goes with that many people on a course doing, again, three laps, all out and back, so um, sort of, yeah, it's going to be interesting, but 2,500 yeah. metres of climbing well, is a lot of climbing in a race and so good challenge great to have these courses out there so there is some variation it's not all flat racing but if you're doing that race be ready for a bit of climbing well imagine the legs on the run mm. oh. a lot of it is gradual the bits of the course that we did see it's a bit a like road 
No, no, it's not at all like rote. It's it's <laughs> it's a lot more gradual climbing. So you just okay. be long grinds as opposed to rote is very up and down all the time. Okay. Uh, Super League, John, just got this PR release this morning just saying Super League has been confirmed to be in Jersey for the next five years. And it's just a probably a good thing to see that they're getting some deeper roots in the ground. So we're going to see this race or this series. It's kind of not quite a series yet, but hopefully it's building into a series for the long term. So we had last year we had Hamilton Island and Jersey. This year we've also got Penticton. They've got a race over there. Uh, so it'll be just interesting to see how this sort of pans out, where it fits into the calendar. Um, because and how many races do you think they'll have eventually in the calendar? Is it, is it just going to be two or three races a year, or are they mm. aiming to get five to eight? You know, like. Because if they get 5-8, they're not going to be able to get those fields, are they? They're not, no, because ITU guys will be committed to ITU because they get funding for that. They've got to get Olympic qualifying points, really good prize money as well with ITU if you, you, you're going for the season. So, yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens. I have, been, I have not seen any news yet about Hamilton Island returning uh, yeah, because that was in March, April last year. So. And we would have heard by now, surely. Well. You carry on, or I, sh- I should actually go to their website and see if... You can do some research on this, John. Yeah. Uh, other piece of news, which is pretty big news, actually, and I'm sure everyone who is all the pros racing uh, Challenge Wanaka probably... <laughs> that moment when this release got done Gomez Javier Gomez is going to be racing Challenge Wanaka in about what two weeks from now so um, that that, that changes the game so we would definitely say that Challenge Wanaka this year the pro race is the half so he's not doing the full it's just the the half so yeah fantastic for the event they'll get so much more coverage out of that Uh, but you've got to think he's just how fit would he be right now Oh, it doesn't matter how fit is he is, he'll spank everybody. He'll be fit enough. He, he goes out with a girl, I think, from Tauranga in New Zealand. Oh, so, does he? Okay. Yeah, so I think he spends a good, time here. good chunk out of there. He did some training down there a few years ago. So um, Yeah, and the release that says he loves that part of the world. And uh, so... It must be it must be slightly gutting if you're a pro, but, you know, let's say you let's say you're of that level, John. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking to yourself, yep, Wanaka's, you know, I can, you know, the field's pretty good. I, you know, if I have a good day, I can win this thing, make some money for the season, mm. and then you get the PR release, and it is a moment, isn't it? Mm. When you go to superleague.com, they have got Hamilton Island uh, down there. They've got Jersey down there, but... Have they got a date on Hamilton Island? No. Okay. Not that I can see. But that's my 30-second research. Well, well, you're, well, you're talking for the next bit. I'll go to superleague.com. And you see if you can find it. So, uh what else is going on? Oh, yep. Yeah, so just a little bit of uh, John's news. Uh, we are taking names now for Epic Camp France 2019. So if anybody wants to come over, we are traversing the Pyrenees, just getting in the planning stage at the moment. It's likely to be um, at some stage in June, mid, mid-June in 2019. So if you are keen on doing Epic Camp France, starting from the northern end of the Pyrenees and basically making our way all the way through to the other side, taking in some awesome climbs like, you know, Tourmalet, the Obisque, um, the Hautecam, things like that, uh, Col de Marie Blanc, we'll be ma- basically riding all the cool climbs uh, with plenty of swim, bike and run as we go through. Also, um, now that I've got the New Zealand champs out of the way the weekend before last, I'm opening up two coaching spaces. So if you're starting the year and you're looking to up the ante and get some coaching, uh, give us a bell and we will get you sorted. This week, I haven't got anything for what the hell's going on. So everybody must be behaving well. 
It's really good. I can't find anything on Super League about dates of races. They've got 2017 on there. Mm. Um, but it's not really. I'm just with the Facebook page. Penticton. When's Penticton? Yeah, so they have announced Penticton. Now they've announced Hamilton Island. Uh, but yeah, we're really intrigued to see. No, they've announced Jersey. We're just intrigued to see if they can pull off Hamilton Island because that's how it works. But well. Hamilton Island gets smashed in that weather thing, if you want. They did, yeah. Maybe that might be a problem. Yeah. So that's timing wise, Hamilton Island works well with it being in sort of that March, April period. But this year with Com Games, maybe it won't yeah, work so true. well. Yeah, true. Uh, and then you had Jersey at the end of the season. It's just whether or not they can fit stuff in the, the middle of the season. John, did you watch the Super Bowl? No, I did not. Oh, John, I'll give you a Super highlights. Bowl update. No, I don't. Please. Super Bowl, please. Like the American it's, listeners it's, have been saying all week, hopefully Bevan will do a Super Bowl update. Because he's so informed about uh, John, Super Bowl. John, what happened was. It, Oh, I've got to say... Everybody's going to know. Even I know what happened. I don't care. I'm giving my opinion on the Super Bowl. Okay. For the last two years, I've watched the Super Bowl final, John. Shh. No, no, don't shitty. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got to say... We've uh, had zero feedback. <laughs> what do you mean? The, the Americans have been emailing you. Going, oh, no, I've had an email every day saying, Bevan, yeah. I can't wait to hear your feedback yeah. on Super Bowl. Super Bowl delivers on, on, on the promise. I'm not saying it doesn't. It, it's a pretty good watch. Mm. And it helps that the two years I've watched it have been bloody good finals. Mm. And John, it went into the last quarter. I did see that. And I thought that I thought the Patriots were going to win the game. Mm. But they didn't. Should have put your bet down on the other team. Well, and because Brady was doing the storm in. And, uh, and I thought, oh, jeepers, they're going to do it. And then he, some guy knocked it out of his hand. I saw that on the highlights. Oh, John, it was unbelievable. But then the only problem was, in the last one, he did this like Hail Mary throw into the end zone. And he didn't catch it. But because the game was over, he didn't show the replay. And I would have liked to have seen how close it was to someone catching it. It was it was very good sport. Mm-hmm. So there's Bevan's 2018 Super Bowl Report next year. I'll do another one as well. Did, you watch, did you watch it for four hours? No, shit, no, John. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I saw, I saw it start, and I thought, oh, I'll just. I'm I kind of. I saw it was on because in New Zealand, and for those listening in New Zealand, they put on TV for free because it's yeah. actually not that popular. So, um, I imagine they're trying to get grow the popularity of the sport. So they have it on a TV channel for free. So I saw the halftime show was on, so I thought oh, I'll put it on the background. And then I turned it off, and I basically watched like a little bit of the last. Like third quarter yeah. and in the last quarter, but mm-hmm. they, American sports you really need to. Well, good on stops a lot anyway, but they need to stop less. Watch a game of rugby. How often yeah. do we stop in rugby, John? Uh, lost. Oh, not a lot. you yeah. put good on in there. Yeah, because <laughs> it's a ninety-minute game, isn't it? Good on. No, it's no idea. I think it's only an hour. I four quarters of fifteen. Yeah, it takes four hours. Madness. What's all that about, Wallace? But love. I'm a, I'm big. I'm converted, John. Good on all the way. <laughs> There you go, that's my impersonation of Gridiron. Uh, John, uh, this week's discussion. So we wanted you to whinge, and you wanted, you wanted to let your whinge out. It's a whinge week, we're going to call it. And we're basically saying, what well, no, frustrates you? Yeah, because last last weekend I had the New Zealand Tri-Champs down here, and people were complaining after the race. There was a lot of litter. The, the start of our run goes along this uh, track. It's a beautiful track. goes along the side next to this nice views over the sea, and then you pop up, and then you're on the road for the rest of the run. And, uh, and apparently there's just loads of litter out there. This is an Olympic distance race, but lots of people dropping gel wrappers and stuff. And again, something that I hadn't really prepared for in terms of going... Really, 
people going to drop litter on their own course? But they did. And so people were getting pretty fired up. Tracy Barr just wanted to agree with the rubbish on Sunday. It was terrible. And no one in a race should be allowed to drop that amount of gel wrappers. It was embarrassing. It should be penalties at all races. Other than that, people heading down hills in the middle of the road. I agree with that. Uh, it is actually against the rules to be littering. And I do remember a pro, and I think it was might have been Liz Blatchford, a few years ago, she did get a penalty for dropping some litter. I think it was accidental, but she still got a penalty. And it's, you know, a couple of minutes or whatever it is for a penalty. That's a bit harsh. Mm. Like, if you see the pro throwing it on the ground in the middle of the rain, but if you mm. see them try to put it down their pants and it falls out the back, it's mm. a bit harsh. Mm. Uh, Christine McKinley's got the grinders got not acknowledging volunteers or marshals, shoving my stuff out of the way in transition to make room for the excessive collection of tri gear banging on excessive about the lack of training they've done while lining up for the swim start she's got a few winches but lots of likes people like her Good. Uh, Finn Zweiger myself getting worked up about all the issues above littering and drafting is not on but all the other stuff is just part of the mix of people that participate in the sport and we should really enjoy having them around the beginners Noel's and the ones with all the gear and no idea all help to grow the sport. But in the heat of the race, I forget all about that myself. At times, I can be rude, shout, shout at people, including volunteers, and be one of those on the course that is highly irritating to others. I think he makes some good points there. Sometimes we do just need to chill out a little no, bit. No, but I think he's saying, look, I'm actually on the counter-argument that this stuff happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Joey Baxter's got screaming at volunteers once saw two guys jostling on their way out of the swim in Cairns and they were ready to punch in and said that they were would do so punch wait, wait they were ready to punch in and said that they would do at the post race. Idiots. Yeah, that's fair. Sounds like they were going to have a fight. Good old Lou Di Giuseppe. Uh this is in, in quotation marks, this is just a training race. I'm doing Kona. <laughs> that would annoy me uh, Skip Slade's got uh, Cheetahs cutting the course Even just a little bit On the Ironman Texas run course A few years ago I watched a nun uh, Not the Iron Nun Cut inside the cones On the curve Unexpected snot rockets And bike urinators Although If you're drafting We used to we used to encourage that To stop drafting Didn't we? I was I was reading I wasn't listening Well it's people do A snot rocket Or bike, oh, yeah. being on the bike yeah, you shouldn't. If you shouldn't be close enough to get there, exactly. Yeah, uh, Frank Lee sucking up extra space in transition. It's crowded for everybody. Yep, Richard Swan's got in running races. I hate it when morons insist on starting at the front, only be immediately overtaken. Matt the Albatross Young uh, not seeding correctly in a rolling swim start. That's uh, no fun for anybody because you get swum over. And you annoy the people behind you. Yep, George uh, Renau has got passing, overtaking on the right-hand side of the road. Rest of the world except Australia, New Zealand and UK. I would carry and use UZI and bring them down. On oh, Uzi, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice Just I was looking at, for whatever reason, Iron Man Lake Placid and there was a picture, uh, there, one of their main promotional pictures and it had people like riding in the middle of the road. You know, clearly there was, they weren't, they were just blocking. I was like, <laughs> Get out of the person's way. Keep to the James side Thomas of the road. James Thomas got an interesting one here, which using trees, bushes, and open air as toilets because they can't be bothered to line up for a portaloo. I think yeah. that depends on where you are in the course. If you're in a bike in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, but also maybe he's thinking pre-race. Oh, okay. I would say that's, yeah. that's pretty gross. 
Um, uh, Mark Simpson, uh, telling you to keep going, just concentrate on your race. Mick Simpson, sorry. And frankly, he's got this transition one. Uh, it's crowded for everyone. Bell Fong's got wearing white lycra. Can be dangerous. Ooh. It's got to be brand new white lycra, i got to tell you. Yeah. Uh, Alan Bryson, not checking to see it's clear before overtaking on the bike, non-drafting. Uh, have very nearly run into a number of athletes as they pull out in front of you. Now, Alan Bryson, I watched the Kona coverage uh, at the I watched weekend. It too. You did? And I think I saw you uh, at some stage late in the race. So check out the Kona coverage. There was a pirate there in mm-hmm. the very last part. Hotels wearing compression socks. Do you wear compression socks nowadays? It's sort of on and off, yeah. Yeah, occasionally. Well, not much, mm-hmm. but yeah. It doesn't bother me when other people wear them. He though. hates it. Look at him. He's like, oh, I'm so angry. Uh, Lee Cartmel cutting courses. Duncan Penfold is going, the heart rate alarm warning the owner to slow down. But if they don't, it just keeps beeping. Turn it off if you're going to ignore it. In capitals, that must really fire them up. Uh, when front of the Packers either cover up or don't even wear their age group category identifier. Makes it hard to know who is passing and it's against the rules. Good old Suzanne Van, I'm going to say Zijulu. <laughs> <laughs> you said it very quietly yeah. with it's tailing off. V A N Z I J L. What? Yeah, exactly. Uh, having difficulty becoming, believing a woman can check them on the bike, then pass you but can't hold their position as you repass them. Whatever. Bevan, anything that really got on your nerves when you were racing? Um, just drafting cheats. Mm-hmm. I can't remember one time when I'm in New Zealand. But, but, but this specific topic was other than drafting. Oh, was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't pull out the drafting one. Oh. I think for me, I'll let you think for a moment. I think for me, and a lot of people have made this comment as well, is when you get past and then the person in front of you slows down. But the, that the, is infuriating. That is infuriating, but then sometimes it's just the That's the part fact, of the game. Well, also sometimes the fact that it's just being at the front's a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like... They kind of they get to the front, and they go, "Oh, whoops!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. You know, that can be a bit cat, cat and mouse. Um, anything else for you? Uh, I'd agree again with the the swims. The, the not that I've experienced many rolling swim starts. I've got the grand total of one, and I was actually lucky enough to be in the second row to start. But it would I would get pretty infuriated in in swim starts if slower people. Just position themselves really poorly, or in mass starts when it's same in running races. So, like, what are you thinking? Mm. You, it's not going to be enjoyable for you, and it's not enjoyable for the people that have to swim over the top of you. But in saying that, for me, I always tried to start with the front guys, and I wasn't a good swimmer. Wow, oh, that you know, the, the, I always think you want to start a little bit above your ability, mm-hmm. but not stupidly above your ability. Like with my runners, I say if you're going to do a 145 half marathon, start with the 130, but control yourself with your watch. You know, but you know, you. So you're part of the problem. I am. (laughs) 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 Well, there's an advantage, isn't there? Later on the race, if you're doing a half marathon, you start with a faster crew and you control yourself in that first bit. That means you're going to be with your faster group in that last part. So it's it's actually wise racing, John. That's what it is. Wise racing. Uh, Anything else frustrate you, John? I think that'd be the main things. Just people slowing down, passing it on the bike and slowing down straight away. Especially if it's a speed slowdown, like of course you get the your power drop off because somebody's going going to go in front of you, and then your power's going to drop off. But if they keep the speed even, that's all fine. It's just when they slow down that it really gets on my nerves. 
don't think anything gets me angry, John. I'm a lot happier in life. Sure. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I have no problems in life. I can't think of things that really frustrated me. So if I was riding 10 metres in front of you and I started weeing away, you'd be, you'd be fine with that. You know, yeah. It's just hydration, hydration. John. It's an advantage for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say, pull up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. There's not one. There's not mm. one. But that's more in training. Mm. You know what I mean? Like in a race, you don't tend to get the snot one. But in training, if you're in a pack and someone just the old snot. Yeah, even in, ra- in races, you should still snot to the side. Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm. But in a pack, somewhere, even though it's not to the side, sometimes you get it. Mm. You know? That's not fun. No, that's not fun. The old snot one. So that one. The white pants, the Belfong is totally right. Because mm-hmm. I've ridden behind some athletes and you can see more than just their butt but again, crying. You in see a the race, You shouldn't be that, that close. close. Yeah, no, that's right. Um. I remember one time we got an email about someone complaining about you littering on the course. Remember that? I think I dropped a bottle or a gel or something like that. <laughs> and they, they said that was that, a Monica. Yeah, they yeah. were disgusted in you, and I defended yeah. you, and then you came back fighting. <laughs> <laughs> and then what happened was <laughs> they tried to make out their first email was a joke, and it so wasn't. Yeah. They totally pulled back on that one. That was <laughs> John came out all guns blazing. <laughs> the Uzi was that. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. Uh, this week's discussion, okay, this week's discussion is we get a lot of pros on the show and we're just kind of wondering what kind of questions do you want us to ask the pros? Um, you know, we, we I, I feel we do a pretty good job, John, but... No, just, I, I thought it'd be quite good again... To we go back to the que- the, the set questions? Maybe have five, five questions we asked at the that end. That was a disaster in the past. Oh, it worked well. For about two just interviews. Added a bit of lightheartedness to the end of the interviews. So five sort of stock standard questions we can ask. Okay. Okay. Because you went the moisturizer. Moisturizer was hit and miss. Yeah. Wax or shave. That was a hit and miss. Yeah. The good one was the marathon and question. Open, open, fresh marathon. That was the only one that kind of sustained. I can't even remember the other two. It's how bad they no, were. That was it. No, we had three. Oh, was it? Wax or shave. We tended not to ask the females <laughs> that. Facial, mo- facial moisturizer <laughs> and, and fresh marathon. I think we can keep one of those. Mm. It ain't wax or shave. <laughs> um, let's put some music on. Gruber of the week. week. Okay, Jombo, we, a few weeks ago we talked about the top females in Kona. Mm-hmm. Uh, the AWA came out, the all-world oh, right, athletes. All world, yep. and we were just trying to look at the athletes that were winning the all-world titles and how that sort of compared to um, those that won the Ironman so do I have to go to Ironman you're, World? No, you're doing, you're doing the ones on the, the little Let's image it, yeah. there. Okay. And so today we're going to look at the guys uh, up to the age of 40. So we want to celebrate the people that have won any of these, but we also want to look at the ones that have got the Ironman, who have been the most consistent Ironman performers, and see how they performed at the big races. Okay, so I'm doing the male... Up to 40. So, yes, so up to 35 to 39. Okay. Um, and, and this is all world athletes. And then John's going to see who won the age group at Kona. No, so you're doing the overall 
titles that include 70.3 and Iron Man. Oh, you just And then the... I'm going to do just if the, who won the Iron Man. Oh, John, this first name. I'm going to say Yuso Emery Man now. Mm. Great work. He's from Finland and he also won. Did you have with that name? Yeah. What would have you said? I would have said Yuso Almeri Menemen. 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 Yeah. Okay. So well done. That's awesome. He did. He, he went to the Ironman South Africa and he finished in a time of nine hours and 15 and f- finished second out of 20. He also went to Lanzarote and he won there. And then in Kona, he finished in ninth. So the three Ironman races in one year. Ninth in Kona. Okay. 25 to 29. We've got Arnold Mago from Switzerland. In, and we have, he also took out the Ironman title. So uh, he went to he went to Lanzarote as well. He got sixth in Lanzarote. He got third at Ironman UK and got twelfth at the Ironman World Champs. So theme there is you're doing three Ironmans in a year. You got a good chance of doing well. Okay, Clay, say Emg, Clay Emg from the USA. He took it out with fifteen thousand points. So I reckon he's got three wins here, and he has. He won the North American Champs in Texas, he won Lake Placid, and he won Ironman Arizona. It's legit. He went 8.43 in Ironman Arizona, 55 swim, 4.39 on the bike, and 3.03 run. 8.43? Yeah. Wow. Arizona is fast. Yeah, in Texas... That was when they had the funny bike. He went eight thirty and Lake Placid nine oh one. So no Kona results. So I think that's the downfall of the system. And yeah, I'm not taking anything be away from a little bit more Clay towards. because he is. When you go at eight forty three, you You're are legit. Yep. Uh, anyway, I've just for whatever reasons thought I'm not going to Kona this year. Um, but, but it should be a little bit more weighted towards Kona. It should be because if you win, if you win Kona. It's the hardest race to win because oh, it's the strongest field. Mile. You know, like it's by, yeah, by far the country. I, I think it should almost be almost be double points. Yeah, it should, shouldn't it? Because yeah. any, the top 10 in Kona are going to win any age group in mm. the world, mm. you know, unless two of them turn up at the same race. But generally speaking, if you're a top 10 age grouper in Kona, you're winning your age group anywhere in the world. Absolutely. And you could probably turn up to three races and win your age group. Mm. So it should be weighted a little bit more towards the Kona side of things. Okay, Joshua Randall. We do, we do, what age are we now? 30, uh, 35 to 39. 35 now. He also, he's Australian. from the States. Oh, this is on here. He's from the States. Oh. Uh, but he went to Ironman Canada, won his age group there in a time of 9.21. He went to Korea and also did 9.21, winning his age group. And then he went to Western Australia, winning his age group there, 8.07. Western Australia? Oh, that was when they didn't have the swim. Yeah. So... Again, tack on sort of 50-odd minutes for the swim. Um, that's a sub-nine performance there. So three wins from three. Again, another athlete that didn't uh, didn't race Kona. But when you're winning Canada and Western Australia... Do they have like who's second and third? Uh, on on here? Who's of just the Ironman? Yes, yes. Because I wonder if any of them have Kona results. Uh, let's have a look. I'll look at second place. And this one is... Uh, Juan Valencia from Colombia, and no, he didn't do Kona either. I'm just wondering how he did. How would have influenced? Where did he get in Kona? He got eighth. So now you basically get five thousand points. You win a race, you get five thousand points. He finished eighth in Kona, and he got four thousand seven hundred ninety-nine points. 
Yeah, interesting. What is interesting is that we're wondering, would there be any difference between those who get points for 7.3 and Ironman? And those are Ironman, it proves that pretty much you win three Ironman, you're going to win the title. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, uh, we'll go into the later ages in the next few weeks. John, three, two, one. Or do you want to sponsor? Sponsor! John, health IQ. It's time for our American listeners to save some dollars on life insurance. Do you know what, John? Do you have life insurance? Yeah. Yeah, you got it when you got kids. Yeah, like no way. You you seriously? If you got kids, you got a mortgage. Like, uh, I think everybody has life insurance, don't they? No, I don't think everyone does. Really? Yeah, I don't think everyone does. Okay, I think a lot of people don't have life insurance. Mm-hmm. It's a really important thing, mm-hmm. especially in the you know the, some of the argument is that so when you look at insurance, some of the argument is to say once you get to a certain level of wealth and age, mm-hmm. maybe you don't need it so much. Mm-hmm. But when you've got a young family or you've got kids or you've got debt, you know what are you leaving behind? Yeah, you know, and, and there's so many people who unfortunately pass away, and they leave their family in a big mess. Mm-hmm. And it's like, like we, Joe and I, we 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 spend a lot of money on insurance because we see it as such an important thing. But like, if I were to die, Joe would never have to work again, mm-hmm. and Tyler would be set up really well, and, and vice versa. And me too, as well. I wouldn't. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're, in, yeah, <laughs> you're, in you're, you were the first person. <laughs> I said, Joe, wait a second, you're second in line. But it's it's so important because. You, you want those who are left behind to be looked after. And mm. it's, you know, and I'm not a certain agent here, but, you know, so when these guys approach us, we we're always a bit dubious about who we're going to put on the show as sponsors. But I was like, mm. no, this, this is a good thing. And what's cool about it is it's rewarding people who look after their health. So if you want to see if you qualify, go to healthiq.com slash imtalk or mention the I am talk when uh, I am talk when you're talking to a health I think agent. use our link as well. You Make sure you use our link because mm. we want to make sure we're you know, showing them that you guys are coming from us. And so basically the deal with these guys is you can save money on your premiums because you're fit and healthy. So they use science and data, secure lower rates on life insurance, uh, and then 55% of their customers save between three, uh, between 4 and 33% on their life insurance. So save yourself some dollars. Unfortunately, this is only for American. I wish they had it here, but sorry, I wish they had it here. Absolutely, because what basically what they're going is as a company, they're obviously saying, well, looking after health people is going to be a cheaper, you know, for us. Mm. So we can offer a cheaper premium, which is really great. And so you get the advantage of being healthy, and you know, and you know, it's really it's awesome. Yeah. You guys know that both Bevan and I are budget conscious oh, and tight houses. So this, again, this fits in well with us. So why spend more money when you need to, don't need to, for the same product? Um, so guys, get on there. Go to healthiq.com slash imtalk. Uh, just get yourself. It's free to get a quote. and basically means it's just another way you guys can help support the show uh, and stop spending money you don't need to. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, big time. I'm just looking at some of these stats here. It's pretty interesting around, they've got some interesting stats here around how they've just done the research, you know. Vegans have a 15% lower risk of all-cause mortality, John. Mm-hmm. There you go. So if you're a vegan, you're going to do even better. I'm bugging. Mm-hmm. I'll tell them I'm not eating meat. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, go. you go. So get on it, guys. As I said, healthiq.com uh, slash talk or give them a buzz. Just plug in your details. Get yourself a free quote and save some Just dollars. check it out. You know, go. To, we'll put a link on our website, www.iontalk.me. And just, if you're in America, check it out. See what you're paying, you know, if it's cheaper. And, yeah, it's really good. We'll, and make sure you use our link because we do want to know it's come from us. So it is healthiq.com. If you haven't got life insurance, you need to get it. 
first of all, and that's just me. I really fundamentally believe that. And then B, if you have got it, check it out. You might be getting a much better deal with healthiq.com. Jombo, statistic. It's fantastic. Okay, well, Alistair Brownlee's he's doing all right in the sport. We want to wax lyrical about his amazingness. Yes. Okay. Where you go? Because I just I thought when he did that race at the weekend, I just thought, I wonder what his profile was like on ITU. Incredible. Sixty-four starts, uh, ITU races, and so that also encompasses. It's not just the World Series; it encompasses ETU races, which is European Triathlon Union, and it does also um, include when you race as a junior, any any ITU event. Sixty-four starts. 47 podiums. This is unbelievable. 35 wins. So he's got more than a 50% winning rate. Insane. That is unbelievable. And this, as I said, that includes his, his junior races. It includes your shitty races, you know, when you bomb out. I definitely saw a few events there where he clearly coming bombed back out. From injury. Coming back from injury. But to have a over 50% winning record at the upper level is insane. Uh, it is insane, isn't it? Uh, I wonder if we added the, like the other races he's done, like the halves and that as well. Wow, and gr- a French Grand Prix and things like that. Uh, it's awesome. I do love going back. So, so he started racing uh, as a junior back in 2005. Uh, he went across, over to the World Champs in 2005 to Gamagori, bombed out there. It looked like he must have had some mechanicals on the bike because uh, he only ended up in 41st place and then... The next year, in 2006, he went to the World Champs in Lausanne, racing as a junior, and took that out. And so from there on, it's, it's been onwards and upwards. It's always interesting to go back to these races and see who else was, was racing back in that time. So 2006, you know, 12 years ago, uh, Alexander Bukankov finished in second place, only uh, 13 seconds behind him. So he's the big Russian dude you often see spanking it on the ITU circuit. Also, Yao Silva from uh, Portugal, he was in third place. Um, Richie Nichols was in sixth place. So if you've seen him, he's popped up uh, fairly regularly on the sort of the... Ironman circuit, he was a bit of a weaker swimmer, so never quite made it uh, at ITU level. Uh, and it's really always interesting just going through and seeing some of the other names, like Sam Betton from Australia. He's doing well at some half-distance races these days, and people say he's a young fella, but you know, he's turning 30 this year. Vincent Louis was only uh, 14, uh, 14th that year. He raced, uh, he won the grand, grand finale. No, was he... Win the grand finale this year, or did he either got first or second at the grand finale this year. So always fun to go back and see the juniors that are still racing. Alexandro Fabian, who's an Italian dude who does well on the ITU circuit, was 18th. Can you imagine how the confidence you must have being Alistair Brownlee? Mm. You know, like because someone was asking me about my career as a as a, as a body attack instructor, John, and mm. your body takes high impact, and and it's kind of like. Um, how much longer have I got? Because I'm definitely the, the latter part of that career. And I was like, I still feel strong, you know, when I'm exercising. And I still feel like we had this big thing on the weekend. I still feel I can just smash the crap out of myself when I need to. Now, that's not me winning races, but it's just that kind of I know I can deliver kind of thing. Um, imagine the level of self-confidence you have. You just turn up at every race and you go, I'm better than everybody here. Yeah. And I can beat everybody. And it is an arrogance. But, but, it's, it's, just, but it's an arrogance or just a knowing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, is it? Is it? Is it? It's because it's a fact. Mm. He is better than everyone else. He wins fifty percent of the races. If I turn up and I haven't got too many dramas, I'm beating everybody. And the thing about Brownlee as well, 
and this is probably the thing against Gomez is Brownlee wins on the big stage. Yes, uh, yep, yep. I understand what you're saying. Well, at least at the Olympics, mm. you know, like mm. you know, Gomez. That's the one chink in Gomez's armor, as he hasn't won the he, pinnacle. He has, but not as often as Brownlee. Yeah. Mm. Well, he hasn't won the Olympics. That's the pinnacle. He's only raced once, isn't oh. he? Oh, he's done a couple, isn't he? Yeah, maybe you're right, but he's only been at the top of his game in London, and then. Oh no no no! To be fair, and and no, because the one before two oh four, he should have been uh, he should have been in the middle. Because it was the Fredino one, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, and Bevan yeah. and Whitfield, and, and Brownlee wasn't even around then, was go, he? Uh, he was Brownlee was leading off the bike, or he was second. But he was the, young then, wasn't he? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah he, he was, was kind of like, he was this kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, Gomez should have should have done well in that one. So you're right. He's had yeah. two opportunities. Yeah, and that's you know, but Brownlee every time he's delivered, mm-hmm. other than that first time when he was young, um, freak. Awesome. I want him to do Iron Man, John. I want him. Oh, come on, Brownlee. Come on. Okay, John, we've got an interview. We have. Well, With got, who? Well, you and I. Oh, okay. we're, right. We've got some t- A-list guests this week. A-list. We interview galore. <laughs> but no, this sort of came from a question we had from Duncan Danger Penfold, and he sort of wanted to, and this relates to our question for fa- on Facebook this week around what questions do you want to ask pros? And he sent us through a bunch of questions. He says, maybe you could ask this to, to pros. And I thought, we can add some of these in there, but let's see what everybody else thinks. But I thought, why don't we answer some of these questions? Not that we're pros anymore, but maybe <sighs> you might sharp, be interested John. to we're know. We're still sharp. You're getting close to that 16 minute 5k, aren't you? Very close yes. when I had to pull up on my run last night because I had a sore calf and on Saturday. Oh, so what's I up? Really, I was just a little bit sore. It's just got just on the edge. Got but your I'll be right. socks on because Hotel won't be happy. Right. Um, John, okay, so he's got. I read this quiz, this week's Facebook question and got me thinking about a few things. One thought I might, uh, I had might be a good content for the show. So you have this week's question what makes you follow the pros? And the feedback is coming in. I thought I could come up with some cool questions or surveys that you can get the pros to do. So here's the questions he likes. So, John, question number one, and we'll both answer it, is how many hours sleep do you get per night? Last night, not quite enough. <laughs> I'm a bit tired tonight. <laughs> It's the morning. It's the morning. So yeah. So generally speaking, seven hours is all right. Eight is preferable. So what time do you normally go to bed? Uh, sort of nine th- between nine thirty and ten. Sort of finish reading, and then usually up at five most mornings. But six would be better. Is it realistic? Uh, just depends what's going on. I'm pretty much the same. Joe and I will go to bed at about nine, mm-hmm. um, and I'll read from reading a really good book right now. Ready to play one. Do you like a good book? Ready Player One's really good. Yep. Yep. Check it out. Um, Steven Spielberg's doing the movie right now. But um, uh, so I'll go to bed about nine, go sleep about nine thirty to ten, depending on the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get up at quarter to five. Mm-hmm. And I, but I also meditate every day at lunchtime, and I think it's really fundamental to me staying mentally fresh throughout the day. Eight hours, I think, for most people was pretty good. I can get away. With, I can get away with less. I don't need eight. Seven's fine for me. Uh, how much do you think about your diet or do you just know the right from wrong and eating accordingly? Uh, it kind of depends where I'm at in my training phase, but I do think about what I'm eating quite a lot and I have changed it quite a bit over the last few years based on interviews we've, we've done. So I do do think, am pretty conscious of uh, what I eat and generally sort of going a bit more towards the low-carb, high-fat diet. So, yeah, just trying to minimise the, the sugar and the carb. But I certainly am not ketogenic. Um, but but you tried it, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And why, did, why didn't why did you not stick at it? 
to be honest, it was just too hard in family life. Okay. If I was living single by myself, and, yep, selfish. Um, it's selfish. <laughs> single and selfish, and uh, <laughs> and you, you, then you can you can really precisely plan. Then I potentially have a much more refined uh, diet, but just fitting in with family means it's you know just a bit more carbs, but certainly a lower carb diet. I'm I'm actually completely different. I eat whatever I want. Um, I'm, I I have this thing about not thinking about food, so I have a really good routine around food. I'm not someone who tends to overeat. Um, I've, I'm really disciplined around everything. Like I, I you know, I have the same breakfast every morning, <clears throat> pretty much the same lunch every day. I have chocolate every day. Um, I have chocolate biscuits every lunchtime, but I, I don't go excessive. But the thing, and you guys would have heard me talk about this, the thing I have is don't worry about food. You know, if we're healthy and you know you're healthy, like I went and got that healthy man check. Did I tell you about that? Yeah, I've heard. I've had feedback on that. Yep. On my healthy man check. No, I've had feedback that you need to go and get the finger up the bottom. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who's encouraging that? Apparently, the blood tests are not always one hundred percent conclusive. I'm quite happy with the results. And you need to go and get the. Alcohol. I love it. That it's what someone's telling you. Yeah. Everyone really needs to get a finger up his bum. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm the picture of health basically, basically based on the results. Now, don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean I'm not, things can't happen. I'm not stupid enough to think that. But I, I just think, why would I spend my life worrying about food? So I don't worry about food at all. I've got a pretty good routine. I also have my fun day Friday where I'm a little bit kind of crazy. I let myself go a little bit loose on my food. But yeah, it's about it for me. Mm. Yeah. And we know that that, I'll say that, I know that that differs massively for different people in terms of what they can and can't eat with their with with in terms of how they explode and different yeah. uh, body types. So we know it's not that easy for everybody. But we're just giving you what we do. Do you believe using a treadmill weekly is a good idea? If I had a treadmill in the garage, I, I would use a lot more. But so for me, it's completely a convenience thing. Um, I don't have a treadmill. Don't have relatively easy access to a treadmill, so I don't use a treadmill at all. And to be honest, I find them reasonably boring. You've got to do interval sessions. Yeah, you've got to be hard short sessions. That's the only way. You like I once did three hours on a treadmill. Mm. Mm. Don't know why I did it. Yeah. So. It, it's slow motion time that's the problem because you've got a <laughs> clock in front of you mm. like you go out for a run you put some good music or a podcast on 40-50 minutes can fly 40-50 minutes on treadmill mm. OMG so you've got to there's got to be some purpose to the session you also need a towel to cover that clock up I don't, I don't tend to use I'll run on a treadmill once every couple of months if it's really really extremely bad weather but mm. other than that I'm pretty much stay away from them do you drink alcohol daily weekly or really John? Uh, I try to stick to Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sometimes Wednesdays, <laughs> sometimes Wednesdays, <laughs> sometimes Tuesday sneak in there. But <laughs> Most weeks are Monday. <laughs> yeah, no, Wednesdays I have to. Why does, why does Wednesday sneak well, in? Well, because I have the kids Wednesday afternoon in terms of. <laughs> I need uh, some wine afterwards. And Blinda has made that comment. She goes, because I, I said that to her, I think it was two days ago. She says, well, you, do you have a sneaky drink there on Wednesdays when I come home from work? And I'm like, yeah, that's true. So I, t- I tend to try to have a rule that I mainly stick to. Friday, and when you have, how much Sunday. do you have? Oh, between. <laughs> two dozen? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe up to, up to a bottle of wine, not usually more than that. A night? Mm. A bottle of wine a night? Half to a bottle. Jesus creepers. It kind of depends what mood we're in. Do, do, you, do you feel guilty about your drinking? No. 
No. Oh, good. Because Joe, my lovely wife, she's not a big drinker at all. Like, we've been together, what, 10 years? And she's got, I've seen her drunk maybe three times. Mm. I always like to get her a bit drunk, but she never wants to. Mm. And she likes a glass of wine when she makes dinner, but I think she feels slightly guilty about it. Not and, at all. Yeah, and I'm like, babe, you, you're really healthy if you're drinking. It's, don't have to worry about it. I, I don't drink, so, because my body is my temple, John, and I, yeah. I respect it. And I don't need it to stress release. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you value uh, or do you place on confidence? Quite sure where you're coming from there on that one, Danger Duncan Penfold. But I guess in terms of leading into a race, uh, I'm, I'm just going to give an example. Say that two to three weeks leading into a race, um, pretty important to get my headspace right, um, be confident that I know the course, be confident that I've got a race plan that I feel that I can go out there and execute so not uh, you know being realistic with my plans so well, here's yeah. a good question then like, as a racer how confident are you that you can deliver on your current ability in most races oh extremely confident yeah uh, and, and that will build leading into the race so of course there's still some doubt in there but you know for example going into Kona going into right. I mean, I did have some doubts going into to Kona. I'm not going to go into that now. But like going into right, I was extremely confident that I could go out there and execute my plan. And sometimes, perhaps getting slightly dis- disillusional, um, but only only slightly. You know, you don't want to be unrealistic with your planning. But yeah, no confidence is great. But you've that comes through having a plan and practicing that in training feeling like you can go out there and doing it so you've got mm. to have a plan rather than just you just see so many athletes going into races and just hoping for the best not really having too much of a plan or going off their plan mm. you know like that one's always a stupid one it's, it's just the thing is that there's there's kind of a few parts to the puzzle but the first one is you know do you train to the program um and if you do then what your you know that's why the question i put to you is your ability to perform at the ability you're at right now mm. you know for me doing that queenstown half my ability was around 119, 118, mm-hmm. and I did 119. So I was, you know, like I did the best that I could do based on where I am as an athlete right now in the training that I'd done. And and my, I do feel I'm someone who can pretty consistently deliver on what I am as an athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, you might get a day where you get a real peak moment and you might have a bit of a crumble day occasionally, but I don't race a lot nowadays. But even then, in Queenstown, I still had the ability to go, you know what, here's what I need to do, and I was able to deliver it. So, yeah. Um, okay, putting aside sponsorship, could you swim, bike, and run with pretty much the same level using any gear, any brand of gear? I would say yes to a degree, yeah. you know. So Depends most setups. You know, if you, in terms of your, your swim and your run gear, there's, there's a difference between brands, but it's not going to be – uh, a game changer in terms of you know massive amounts of minutes. Then on the bike, obviously, you just need to be set up so you're comfortable, so you're aero. So again, a bit of variance there, but I don't think it's not a game changing thing unless you're set up really poorly or you've got a, a shoe that's not completely not appropriate for you. Hmm. Um, pick a, a decimal. Uh, achieving the best bike slit while still running to your potential. I rate comfort versus aerodynamics. So he's going. You can even go like thirty percent comfort to seventy percent aero, right down to vice versa for the other two. You got aero, don't you? You got to be comfortable as well. Yeah, but you train really that, even... don't you? Sorry, you train that, don't you? To a degree. Yeah, so I'm going to go, I'm just going to pluck a number out of there and I'm going to go 
60% comfort, 40% aero. But when you're racing, how uncomfortable are you in aero? Uh, not especially, but a lot of people are. Yeah, a lot yes. of people are uncomfortable That's just conditioning, isn't it? Conditioning, flexibility, yeah. Yeah. You know, like when you first start doing triathlon, your back hurts for a bit. And then over time, if you spend a lot of time in the boat, like I'm, I just can't think, I'm thinking about when I was riding. Think, think about like Gordon Ramsay, and don't want to pick on Gordon Ramsay, good on for doing triathlon. But when he's riding, he's on his aero bars. It's like he's sitting in a lounge chair. He's yeah. almost vertical. Um, but he must have, must he, you assume he must have a terrible back to, yeah. to and that's the, the position that he can sustain. So I'd say. But I think com- you're probably going to say most pro athletes. Yeah, pro athletes. Are comfortable in the aero for mm-hmm. long periods of time. Because I just think back to when I was racing, I never really got. You'd sit up just because you're a bit sick of being in position. Mm-hmm. But probably 90% of the race, I was in aero with no problems. Uh, thinking of your last big race goal, how long did it take you to achieve it? This is quite. This is being really differently answered to pros. I think a lot of pros, their camp, their like their Kona campaign, their main build up would be you know about twelve weeks long or so because it's got to, Whilst they've got to crush it in Kona, also got to keep racing. Oh, it's a peak level. moment in a year, isn't it? You know, periodization. But for me, getting ready for a big race takes me two years to get in shape, and people go, "Really?" And it's like, "Yeah, it does." <laughs> it takes two years. To, it's the same thing happened for for Rote and for for Kona. I got myself into good shape. It took two years. And that's like peaking at one moment. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, me, I'm I'm not really the athlete anymore. But like for me, for a running race, like for New York, I'm not doing much running at all now. Just a couple of times, two or three times a week max. Um, and it's very easy under an hour. So I'm not really pushing any intensity. And I'll do New York in what November or late October. So I'll probably do three or four months of training for that. I'm lucky in my life, but because of my job keeps me mm. really fit. So I don't need to be kind of conditioning myself too much outside of that. So right now I'm just kind of making sure my body doesn't forget what it's like to go running. But I also don't want to overload my body this early in the year. So I'll pretty much get through to June. And then from there I'll kind of really push on through New York. So that's a little bit different. So we'll see what you guys come up with other questions for the proper pro athletes, not us hoax uh, podcasters. Mm-hmm. And we will see what everybody says and we'll come up with, you know, four or five standard questions we ask pros ask pros because I am planning on getting uh, a few more interviews over the next little period while news is fairly slim. Okay, John of Wanger of the Week. What are you what are you putting Gun up? Gun number three this week. Number Oh, this is ironic because I was looking Isn't at this, it ironic? Looking at this yesterday. And Don't we're gonna think? have to eliminate a couple of people from this category, I think. Oh really? Well we've got the highest speed on the bike. And who are you eliminating? Peter Mills, come on. 117, he was kidding us. You're kidding me. Peter's living in London, I think, now. There's not even any hills around there. So if you did go 117 Ks, kudos to you. That's impressive. But But you highly doubt it? And Jim D, you reckon he's... he's Jim D from the United Kingdom, he's also got 115.9 kilometres per hour. Very impressive. But if if it's true... But we're actually giving it to Aaron, aren't we? Aaron, the interpreter, Hurwitz from uh, Israel. lives over in Israel, 85 kilometers per hour. We're watching this really cool um, program, uh, Food with Phil or something like that, on, on Netflix. This is this guy who loves food, and he basically goes around the world to different countries and explores their food, and he did one on Israel, and it was awesome. I highly recommend it. Phil Rosenholf. Okay, Aaron, this month he's done nearly 200 k's of biking, 10 hours of training. He's done 4,000 of elevation. Total cycle time of all time. He's done 8,300 Ks. He's ridden for nearly 400 hours. And his elevation gain is 167,000. 
I do think good, good that, beer too. that Peter's stats there aren't quite correct because the ride that he did was uh, 6.7 kilometres and it was in the city of London. So I think that time might not quite be right. What I like about Aaron, he's got the unfollow out on the bike as well. Yeah, he's got this, 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 yeah, nice. I don't know who the kid is, but he's got some young kid out biking. So Very he's getting amongst it. On the girls' side of things, uh, Carol Cooper took it out with a legit time a speed, I think, of 68 kilometres per hour. Uh, she lives up in Nelson. They're going to have the New Zealand Secondary Schools race up there at Rabbit Island, where I've done a few races over the years. Got caned in those storms the other day. Looking, the road was like oh, really marginal. Uh, Joe Coombs was second with 66.2 kilometers, and Tony Hodge was third with 65.9. I think Carol Cooper's just joined Strava <laughs> because her distance is has only got a running distance, she's ran 4k. Oh, <laughs> for 22 minutes, elevation gain of 31 minutes. <laughs> no, I haven't got a cycle of stats up here, but there you go. So, Carol, welcome to Strava. <laughs> um, okay, John, sponsor. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. Bevan, what did just make a good point? Peter Mills and Jim D. <laughs> I know you're not American based, but you guys could look into your health insurance. If, if you're going that insurance. fast, you definitely need some health. If you're, <laughs> IQ. If you're exceeding 115 kilometers an hour, your life is in danger. <laughs> Get on health IQ ASAP. <laughs> uh, right, guys, extreme endurance. We're coming up into sort of running season for you Northern Hemisphere athletes. Mm. Uh, you know, sort of April time, we often see a lot of the spring marathons, London and Paris, and uh, there'll be a lot more races in North America as well. Running out of all of our sports is the one that beats the crap out of our legs and where you can probably get some of the biggest gains in terms of recovery from your races, from your training sessions using extreme endurance. If you haven't tried it before, it's only forty six ninety five uh, a pack if you're buying out of the US. Uh, put in the promo code IAMTALK20, you get 20% off that. Only takes a couple of days to kick in, but seriously, if you're doing some marathons and you might have a half marathon build up race or some 10Ks, if you use it around those build-up events, you're going to find, A, you get a boost in performance, but the more importantly is you're going to bounce back heaps, heaps quicker in terms of your post-race um, muscle soreness. So check it out, xendurance.com. Use the promo code IMTALK20. If you're in the uh, in the European region, you've got the UK website, you've got the Euro, the Euro website, and the promo code does work on those as well. So save your legs, run faster, and recover quicker. Extreme endurance. I'll definitely be getting on it when I get into my New York training. Tell mm. you, big time. Um, okay, team questions and answers. We've got a few here. Um, first of all, you watched. It, so you sent me through the link uh, yesterday. You yes. said you watched this by the morning, and I was like, <laughs> "Whoa!" But I'm a good boy. I always listen to him, to Coach Sean Newsom because he's a wise one. Uh, the Kona coverage. So you guys in the states, you will have seen the NBC coverage most likely. For us elsewhere in the world, especially down here, it'll probably be coming out in about three years' time. We'll get to see this coverage on <laughs> on TV. But some good folks have put it up onto YouTube. So if you do want some good uh, something good to watch on the trainer this week, you should be able to find the Ironman coverage. I saw about three or four people that have put it up there. Uh, and overall, my impressions were it was pr a pretty good coverage this year. I thought. What I found interesting was they only seemed to, like they had a couple of little stories, but they only really went. It seems like they only went into it with one. Mm. You know, like the guy with the cancer, mm. the old guy, um, and unfortunately he didn't finish. But God, still respect oh, to him. The story for everybody. Oh, sorry. Okay, sorry about that. But there's finish. a couple of the, the sob stories. Uh, they, they were quite good. I quite. Well, there was only that one, wasn't there? No, there was two, there was two, a couple of others. There was the, the Walsh. There was the the guy who was. Um, 
uh, it was in the army. It was in the army. Oh, they didn't show much of him, but no, they must have only because I kind of flicked through the first few minutes because I only had a little bit of time to watch it. They already showed him at the end. Mm-hmm. They didn't, they, like the guy of cancer, they gave a lot of coverage. Mm-hmm. And then the guy in the army only gave him a little bit. And then is it Sean Walsh? Sean Walsh, yeah, yeah, that was a good story. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. So no, I, th- I thought overall it was a really nice mix. Like those stories, uh, they were good. They, yeah, they have, um, and and it was nice because they they got the guy. So the guy with the cancer did it with the girl who beat Julie Kath- Moss, Kathleen McCartney. Yeah, who you don't hear much of her, do you? No. No, not at all. No, she's the one who won the run, who mm. Julie Mosh kind of cracked in. So, um, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, I, well, I didn't get to see the race day, so I didn't watch any of Kona this year. So it oh. was quite, you know, because I was up in Auckland working, so I wasn't able to watch the race. And so, geez, everyone was right about Bloody Sanders' technique, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Jeepers, creepers. On race day, you didn't hear, in this race, you hear the grunting. Oh, my it God, was, he was, was really grunting, wasn't he? Uh, <laughs> 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 it was pretty entertaining. <laughs> I, again, you got to put your hat on when you watch this race. You're thinking, I'm a general population. I'm not a yeah. triathlete. And so I thought, on the whole, it was good. I still think that one thing that they could add to the coverage is some more splits. Just, you know, like halfway on the bike or... They used to do that. But some stage on the run. So you could actually see, okay, someone's... You know, the, this is the, the gap between um, Kenai and... Do you Sanders. think they'll work? I, I, I don't know. Because it's not that exciting. If it's five seconds... Mm. You know, but in, in our it, sport, it's it's like five minutes. Of people, general public, sort of think, well, he's got it one. In this race, I think it, in this example, it would have worked well in the guys' race because you had that gap between um, Langer and the others that would have been closing. You know, you yeah. could have done a couple of time ups, and you'd be going, "Holy crap, he could actually do this." I'll tell you what, Langer would have looked amazing as he passed those others, didn't he? It, it, that's the one thing that stands out of this that year's race is just run. the most beautiful run I've seen in the sport, especially as he passed in yeah. <laughs> you know, and then he just and it's like when he passed um, Keenley. He put like 100 metres on in 10 seconds. They did a slow-mo of him, and you just see that the ear time that he had, he was running, yeah. proper running, really, really proper Once he got running. to Kino, he just must have known he had it out. Like, because oh. he, he, he was 10 minutes off the bike behind him. Yeah, so, so impressive. Oh, man. I still remember the last time, the first time he was there, and we were watching, so that was 2016 when he set the run, yeah. originally set the run course record, and he ran past us at the start of the run, and I just went, he was a long way down. Yeah. I was like, because he got third that year, yeah. yeah. It's like, who the hell is that dude? And he came past again, and he was flying. And you just don't see that at Ironman racing. Um, you have beautiful runners like Crowe. was a, just an amazingly efficient runner. Um, yeah, Crowe's a bit fast. like Cam, but wasn't he? He's kind of just they didn't move. Yeah, this guy's just uh, he is a beast. He was smoking past him. Now, admittedly, Keenley and Sanders were pretty dead by the time he passed mm. him. But it was it was kind of like you know watching Rennie passing runners, you know, mm. just like just absolutely chalk and cheese. I, I'm kind of curious about this this coverage. Is it still popular in America? Because you know we live in a time where TV channels are really fighting for attention. Mm. Um, does this coverage really make much of an impact? Does it still win the awards? Like remember back in the old days, every year it would win the yeah, Emmy. Yeah, it still gets something in there. Oh, yeah. Does it? Okay. There's all those categories, whether that's a yeah, big one or not. I don't know. So uh, maybe to some of our American listeners, can you just let us know, after you've gone to HRQ, uh, can you just yeah. let us know, uh, Does is it something that kind of still gets much love in America? Because mm. it's, Outside of the Iron Man world. Yeah, because it's interesting because... It's the ultimate advertising, really. Mm. You know, that's, that's the reason that that coverage is the reason Iron Man's probably as big as it is today, really. Mm-hmm. You know, 
I know that I reckon Dick Hoyt's Iron Man planted a seed for me. So the the it's pretty big advertising, and so it'd be just interesting to see. Does it still get much love? John, uh, Rob Cummings has written a book, Chasing Kona. Actually, speak for a second. Go, go, go. You talk. You talk. Wait, oh, I haven't read it yet. So, so he's got one topic there that I haven't read the book about. And the next next uh, topic point that he's got in there is just put my book. So I I'm not quite sure what Bevan's talking about with my book. Uh, and here he is. Oh, I've even got a copy for me. Yep. Great. Rob that's, why, that's why I haven't read it. I haven't read it either, actually, but he's just sent us through a couple of copies for us to have a read, and it's called Chasing Kona uh, from the Back of the Pack Smoker to Racing Ironman World Championship in Kona. It's by Rob Cummings. It's obviously his story from there, so I'll put a link to it. It's obviously on Amazon or somewhere like that. And if you want to check that out and you want a bit of inspiration around someone who's Oh, I've given you uh, yes, John's book because he's written. He's oh, seen, there you go. Yep. So, it's even the signed. Big copy. fan of his show, John. I wonder what he go. says to me. <laughs> Let's see what he says. Is it the same thing? You're a dork. Really enjoy what's your goss. <laughs> That's what I contribute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there we go. Uh, so you can check his book out there if you are someone who's trying to look for a bit of inspiration. My book, John. I'm going to give a love for my book here. My bloody publisher cocked up and took all their books off the Kindle store accidentally, <laughs> and so. My book has basically gone back to being like it's day one of the book. Mm-hmm. And so I've lost all my reviews. Oh. And they were pretty much 99% five-star reviews. Yeah. So if you bought my book and uh, you put a review up, can I just ask you to put it back up again? Now, in doing that, they've reduced the price dramatically as well because they've kind of mm-hmm. felt bad. So they've dropped it down to like under $5 US to buy my book mm-hmm. right now. So if you want to get my book, um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's under five bucks. It's Admittedly, it's designed for beginner exercises so it's not probably so much for the typical Ironman but you might get something out of it or you might um, you know be gifted yeah yeah. so it is a Kindle book so again I think it's currently it's 3.97 US so you can get it there Uh, Rob Bailey sent through an email just this is a kind of a cool one Um, we were just talking about last week the stuff that you the gear Mm -hmm. He's got, um, I'm one of the old fellas trying to prove that oldies can still move faster than slow and steady. Just listening to your whatever happened to, John's, I stand corrected. Uh, but were the HD bars not those bent down drops that then curved out in front and helped achieve the aero position? Oh, I know those ones. Yep. I remember having to buy a bridging piece to stop each extension flexing so much. Oh, so obviously in the bend they weren't strong enough. Yeah, so they were basically one the original bars, handlebar that kind of went out and then looped around the front. Yes. Yeah. I still remember racing one guy, a guy called Ben Harrow. His sister, Sarah Harrow, was finished third at the World Champs in 1994 and was a World Junior Champion. He had some of those DH bars and we used to race. He used to whip my butt. Uh, Did you think it was pretty cool with those bars? I, I did until one day uh, one of them broke off. And oh, <laughs> and really? He had one handlebar side. Yeah. So they were good up until that point. He was obviously right. He needed a bit of a he needed one of those uh, bridging pieces. Martin Waite, uh, the Wally. He's guys. <clears throat> he's got. Thank you for calling my name out at the start of this week's last week's show. I was on an indoor. I was in an indoor training session and struggling. Then my name was mentioned and I turned into an axe on the bike. The next day, my email to the Kumoda Mail Film Review Show on BBC, which I actually listened to, was read out and my world was good. I'm buying a lot of ticket this weekend because I. Just can't lose. If you draw me out as the Kona winner for patrons this weekend, I'm, is it this weekend? No, it's coming up in March. In March. I'm bound to win. Oh, he wants us to do it this weekend because he's bound to win. I feel like a winner. 
But then I am a Wally. And he's just saying the reason we called him a Wally was because he was wearing striped socks. Right. So it was obviously where's Wally. So that's a pretty cool one. And then Martin Crehan. It's got um, Matthew. Oh, sorry. Matthew Crehan. Matthew Overload Crehan here from Australia. Hey, Matthew. Nice. Uh, love listening to the show. I've been listening for a couple of years now. It has helped me in my training to achieve milestones such as my first marathon then my first Ironman, and then my first 100k Ultraman, Ultramarathon, sorry. This, but this morning I've reached perhaps the most significant milestone of all. I finally ticked off the entire back catalogue of the <laughs> Iron Talk show. Um, don't know what I'm going to listen to now. I have to re-listen to all the legend shows, I guess. Anyway, I just want to say good thanks for all the good work and good luck to the next 600. Well, this week we have we have the legends coming out, legends of triathlon coming out. So you have two shows to listen to this week. I can't imagine what it must be like going back and listen to some of those early oh, episodes. Cringeworthy. Uh, occasionally, every kind of two, two or three years, I listen to our first episode, mm-hmm. and it was it was definitely one one time, John. We didn't even know what we were doing. <laughs> we don't nowadays, and so imagine back in those days. Uh, John, let's talk about this by patrons. Okay, we have Simon, the Motormouth Early. Ben. Oh, Simon, he was the guy who was on camp, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. Simon hey, Simon. and Andy. Uh, ben, the Inflictor Cobra. And Matthew, the Matthew Overload Crean. Oh, look at that. There you go. Mate, that's what happens when you're patron, your name just gets called out. When you join the show's patronage, you become a member of a very elite people, a group of people. Mm-hmm. Very special. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Quite, it's quite just powerful in their world. Part of the team. Part of the team. And you can do that by going to www.imtalk.me. You'll see on the webpage is just how to do it. Um, there's different levels, but everyone goes into the drawer to win a free entry to come and join the boys over in Kona this year, actually. So get on it soon, guys, if you think about doing it. And uh, yeah. there's basically, you go, click on the support button, become a patron, and away you go. Uh, there's options to do five bucks a month, and that's like, you know, coffee a month. Surely we're worth a coffee a month. Uh, Ten bucks a month, you get a I Am Talk swim cap, very nice black silicon yeah. swim cap, and you come in at 20 bucks a month, so coffee a week, then you also get an I Am Talk beanie, so icebreaker beanie, high quality stuff, and that will be good for your winter training. Good times, rock and roll, Jombo sponsors, extreme endurance, your lactic buffer, Health IQ. Remember to go to healthiq.com slash talk or use the promo code IAMTALK. And uh, just do it. You mm. need health and you need life insurance. Everyone does. Uh, lastly, John, our patrons. Thank you very much for your support. Uh, team, if you want to email us, you can email us at iamtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, what is your goss? Public holiday today, isn't it? Yep. Waitangi Day. Waitangi Day is the day New Zealand signed a treaty. Um, <laughs> the mouldy basically got screwed for a hundred years, but we're, we're, we're sorting it out. Sorting it it's out. kind of New Zealand's day. Mm. Yep. So what are you doing, Waitangi Day? I haven't really got any plans. I might go for a little mountain bike ride with uh, Thomas, maybe nice. something like that. It's a bit chilly out there today. Yep. Um, but what's my goss? I had a very scary moment on Sunday. Oh. We had junior tri coaching. Uh, so I'm doing a lot more hands on coaching these days, which is kind of cool. Like on Mondays, I take a decent sized group, and we've got the juniors. I'm you know, coaching three times a week. Um, so on Sunday, we're sort of doing lo- these, this loop course and uh, around Sumner. It's about a I don't know, maybe a 3K loop or so, and this perfect storm happened. So we, we have the group, uh, we, we start at 10-year-olds and we go up to probably about 15 or so. And how many kids you got in the group? Um, there was probably about 
30 there, okay, I'd say, nice. something like that. And we split it, split off into different groups, and I take the teenage group, and I split them into two groups. So we're, we're practicing drafting, because they've got a draft legal race, the secondary school's race is draft legal. And so I split them into two groups of four, and the fir- first group are quite a bit quicker than the second group. And then you also had the young kids that were also circulating on this course, yep. and so I do a lap with the faster group and sort of yelling at them instructions, and then I'm, um, and then I was just standing around, and then on the third loop, uh, I was waiting this point for them to come through, and I thought the slower group would come through first, and then I thought that the faster group might almost get a lap up on them, and I knew that the younger kids were, were in the same sort of region at, at, at the same time. So I'm sort of waiting on this corner. I see them just come around, come around the corner. And I sort of turn around to get uh, ready to, to to jump on the back of them, and then I just hear this bloody gigantic big crash oh turned around, no. and there's kids everywhere. Oh, I, no. I was, oh my god! Went back. Luckily, only two of them had crashed. But because what had happened is it was perfect storm. All the groups had come together at one point at oh once. Like no. the, the fastest group had caught up to the my sort of slower group, and plus the younger kids were all at once. One kid hit this road cone, another one went flying over the oh top. No. Are they okay? Just, they're okay, but I just oh no, it was a nightmare. Oh. But luckily, it was okay. Though one of them, one girl felt so bad. She'd been on a mountain bike all last term, and she's quite she's a reasonably gutsy, good athlete. Yeah. And uh, finally got a new I bike. I said to her parents, she's really getting penalised by not having a road bike and she's at that age where she probably should have one. For younger kids, 10 to 12s, be on mountain bikes, yep. absolutely fine. But she's she's second year high school, time to get a road bike. And uh, didn't break the bike, did <laughs> This is the first ride she'd done on it oh. in the group and bent the front derailleur, uh, no, bent her front chain ring and just shredded her... Uh, Shredded a handlebar tape, so it's not too bad. Oh, but it's that. just fir- first bike ride out. Mm. So that was my entertainment on Sunday, and then uh, it was really high tide. Your entertainment was seeing kids come on bikes. Yeah, <laughs> and then I, then I took them into into the into the sea and in some fairly testing conditions. Uh, so they they had, <laughs> do they need a help? They had you? a pretty solid day. It was it was good. Uh, outside of that, Bill, any, any real talent coming through? Oh, we, it was interesting to see Andrea Hewitt winning. You don't want to get into a sprint finish with Andrea Hewitt. It's your nexus, you. They, they, she's won so many. They had the Oceania Champs last weekend over in Adelaide, I think it was. Okay. We had a bunch of juniors heading over there, and we had a, a girl in the – well, she's a North Islander um, who won my tri-festival down here. She took out all the Aussies and won the junior race, and Andrea took out the girls' race in another sprint finish by one second. Oh, wow. Over Charlotte McShane. So, yeah, if you're going to sprint finish with Andrea Hewitt, you better be bringing your – a game. Why is she such a good sprinter? It's completely guts. It's just, oh, really? just, you know, once you get to a sprint finish, it's, I mean, there's certainly some technique involved. Yeah. But the amount Who of sprint finishes she's, she's had and she's come out on top, that's just, just guts and headspace. Wow. Uh, what else happened on my weekend, Bevan? Um, can't think of too much else. Mm. Went for a wander around town. Haven't been to town for ages. But you know what? I love town. I, I th- like we where I work. That so Christchurch, the town. Obviously, earthquakes kind of just, just kind of Destroyed killed it. town really. And it's been a, you know it's been what six seven years now, isn't it? Six years since yeah, quakes. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and it's only really starting to come in the last kind of eighteen months. And it's still probably another four or five years before, before completion. 
But you kind of see what they're doing now. And by the gym, they're doing all this residential mm. and they've got this kind of awesome walkways. And you kind of just see, oh, this is going to be pretty awesome. Build beautiful new buildings. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Still lots of crap going on. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but it's, it's going to be pretty cool. Mm. So yeah. that was quite quite nice. Bevan, what's happening in your world? Uh, John, I went out talking for the weekend. John, would, here's, a, here's a question. Will you be happy with this? I was going for a run. Mm-hmm. I went for a run. You know, it was pouring off rain, mm-hmm. but it's warm in Auckland. Mm-hmm. So I love rain, you, Auckland. Yeah, yeah, That's exactly. Odd. But it's quite nice running in hot weather when it's raining. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was running along. I thought to myself, I'll probably do anywhere forty-five to fifty. Nothing too crazy. You know, ten k, twelve k, whatever. Run along. I see a piano on the side of the road, John. Yeah, and I play piano. Ah. So I stopped to play piano for fifteen minutes. Is that okay? <laughs> it's public piano. Yep, I've seen one of those in Wellington as well. Yeah, mm. yeah. If you're happy with it, Bevan, that's it was, it was quite one of the right. best runs of my life, John, because mm-hmm. it was kind of like the combination of everything I love. Like I love running to music, so I was running along to music, and I was actually I wasn't killing myself, but I was just feeling good. Mm-hmm. Um, pouring rain, hot weather, you know, like it was kind of and, and around Auckland, around that waterfront. So I wasn't running towards Mission Bay; I was kind of running around where the boat areas and just kind of doing this kind of funny zigzag loop. Um, it's it's really quite a nice place to run. Can you run over the Harbour Bridge? Do you know that? Don't know. Yeah, because I was going to run towards the hub bridge run over that, but I didn't know and I didn't want to run there mm. and figure it out. And then there's just a piano there. And I thought, oh, I ran past it. I thought, you know what, I play piano. Did the piano work okay in the rain? No, it was, luckily that was covered. It was in. It was basically inside a shipping container. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then um, pulled up, played about three songs that I've been working on recently. Mm-hmm. Got a bit emotional with the music, John. Christ. Just going to let some emotions out. Yeah. yeah express through my body and my, my fingers. Uh, and then went out for this my run. Mm-hmm. It was a good run. And then I went up to Auckland and uh, taught Body Tech 100, which is pretty special in my career. And then had a late night, came home, took the early morning flight, had to teach, got home, sat on the couch, Sean, wake up four hours later. Nice. Do you ever crash on the couch? No. It is not possible when you have young children. You just tell them to stay away. Not possible. Yeah, that that works. Look, Dad's going to have a sleep. Stay in your bedroom. Yeah. I'm sure they respect that. Absolutely. Back at school? Back at school, yep. Back at school for a week. Tommy, when does he start high school? No, he's still got a couple of years to go. So would three, he three years to go? Oh, so he'd still be at primary school. I know he goes right through, but mm. okay, three mm. years to go. What uh, Kashmir? Yeah, I think so. My daughter went there. Mm. Yeah, Kashmir High School. Mm, very good. Bevan, that's about enough for today. What about this week? What do you got on this week? What do I got on this week? We got public holiday, swimming sports tomorrow. Gonna go watch a bit of swimming sports. Actually, I, I, <laughs> Tom swims, doesn't he? he he's, he's he's starting to pick it up. And but I was I had a big clean out of the garage at the weekend. Yeah. Got instructed to clean up my office and clean out the garage. I had a good clean out of the garage, and <clears throat> I've got this little mezzanine area where you kind of keep all your your junk and suitcases <laughs> the and all area. that stuff. <clears throat> and I've got a box in there of my old certificates. Had a look in there because I wanted to show the kids. I have. I've got my five year five year old float with kickboard on front. And then you said the S, the S. Remember the S sign? No, Mike, we had little pa- paper fishies. Oh, wow. And and I also won first prize in the in uh, the flower displaying competition in, in <laughs> our school fair uh, when I was about probably uh, seven or eight. And then I had all my swimming certificates, and it was quite interesting just going back and looking at them. I started swim racing when I was eight. Wow. And uh, and I was, I was okay. I wasn't great, but I was swimming 20 seconds, I think when I was I was when I was nine. I was doing twenty seconds for twenty-five meters freestyle, and I thought that's pretty decent yeah, at that age. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, that was pretty cool. 
Do you know what we're doing this week, John? Because we've been, I've been married for almost a year. Mm-hmm. This weekend, it's been a year, John. Mm-hmm. Oh, we best year of my life, John. Got it in your? Have you got it in your calendar with the yearly reminder? Did we no, I haven't. That last but, week, I think. Uh, but I do remember it's this Sunday. Mm-hmm. I do remember. But we're going to the Pure Pod. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned that yeah. last week. Yeah. So this week we're going to that. I'm looking forward to that. Great. Going to be able to be nude with nature. There you go. There you go. Nude. That's how they should market it. Pure Pod. Nude. With nature. Put that in the suggestion box. I, I actually think it's genius because you know what it is, eh? Yeah, it's, it's like a like a glass house basically. So mm-hmm. you are well with nature. Mm-hmm. You can be in the nude. Oh, I'm ringing them. Suggestion. I'm box. a marketing genius. Okay, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm me, no. Train hard. Train smart. Kick, Kick hard. hard.